Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Kate Klein, a registered dietitian who focuses more on functional nutrition and specifically gut health. In this conversation today, we talk not only about how gut health can affect us systemically, but also how it impacts our performance as athletes. And then naturally, we dive into what we can do about it. If you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this information highly valuable. So let's tune in. Hey, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I am good. I'm excited to talk with you. Awesome. And your crew. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to talk with you because of what you do is so important for just general health, but also performance. Mm -hmm. And it's an area that a lot of people don't realize how impactful it can be systemically, not just to the local um, dietary system or the digestive system. So um, let's dive into you, what you do with gut health. Um, But first and foremost, how did you, who are you and how did you get into this direction? (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm kind of a patchwork quilt of things I have decided. Um, I started in dietary as a registered dietitian um, for 14 years now. And due to kind of watching health of various loved ones go beyond what doctors had any clue what to do with, I learned about this subset of dietary work uh, called functional nutrition and functional medical nutrition therapy, which really focused on systemic problems that that originate with the GI and inflammation and an overactive immune system. So it turns out this all perpetuates into pain and migraines and um, arthritis and energy and brain fog and autoimmune disorders and everything stemmed from it. So I just was fascinated by this and started going down, down that route while I then also started learning about exercise for pain and became a personal trainer and I was doing yoga for my own back pain. And so it just started accumulating as this whole lifestyle, um, web of things that had to work together to really address pain issues and uh, sort of chronic health and mystery illnesses. So, but it all stemmed from the gut from, from my angle with it, with it as a nutrition. So let's start kind of there. How does like, when we think of the gut, you know, the food enters it, it's this little contained area. How does something in the gut really impact us systemically then? So usually, let's see how to keep this nice and succinct because I could talk forever. <laughs> I get so excited by all the details. I, I am research crazy. Um, but essentially, yeah, our, our digestive system is this tube from the mouth down into the stomach through the small intestines, large intestines, colon and out. And so it's like our first line of defense against any sort of invading pathogens or problems. Um, so it's actually a part of our immune system. So a lot of times what happens is through many, many different variables, it can get damaged um, and essentially allow things to trigger our immune system that normally shouldn't. And when that immune system triggers, it causes inflammation. So in, in certain controlled cases, this is good. You think of fever when you have a cold, like a flu, and it's your body heats up to kill a virus, or if you get a cut on your arm and you get a little bit of swelling, that's like your white blood cells and the immune system going to help defend you. But what happens when we have so much 
chemical, physical, mental stress, medications, different things damaging that tube through the body, that GI system, many things can now trigger an overactive immune system and that leads to inflammation. And for many people that manifests as pain and can be part of the factor behind arthritis, knee pain, back aches, uh, migraines, headaches, and all sorts of things that just generally drain the body and deplete energy. So it's that, that's kind of like the little quick and dirty version, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> is there a way for, if someone's dealing with pain, is there a way to kind of figure out, like, is it something specifically mechanical, bio, like musculoskeletal to the area versus something systemic going on with the gut? So I usually kind of work people through various things. I, I kind of say the, the three main factors that could be leading to pain are going to be either nutrition related. And that could be as simple as, you know, you just, you eat a lot of junk food and that's inflammatory to the food in a general way or very specific um, to a person and they have individual food triggers. So we, we look at nutrition and try to just do a general cleanup. Um, it can be hormone related, which can be like bad sleep, too much stress, bad cortisol amounts, uh, some sort of hormonal imbalance, or we get into what I kind of call like physicality. So that can be literally your alignment, your posture, um, bad running form, bad support in your shoes, uh, muscle imbalance. And so we, we sort of zero in on that. Um, but the people I tend to work with kind of going, we go through another screening and if there are other symptoms involved as well, then I can usually go, ah, this is probably stemming from the immune system more and the GI. Um, and so we'll see things like rashes or sinus issues or uh, brain fog a lot. And it's like, okay, this is probably more systemic than just a distinct area um, versus, well, every time I run, it's my knees. Like, ah, that, well, that's probably more of the physical thing, the form, the shoes, the, the recovery, but it can be helped still with a good diet program. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So when you're looking at someone and have determined it's something with guts, what kind of what's that process of figuring out what foods are contributing or what those triggers are that are contributing to a lot of these issues? Uh, so a lot of times we just start with a general diet cleanup. Um, I run kind of a monthly seven day challenge where it's, okay, let's remove the common problems. Let's take out the sugar, the alcohol, the gluten, the dairy, clean it up into like clean proteins, fruits and vegetables, lots of good water and see how you go in seven days. And that can at least get you started. And then depending on the severity and the length of their other symptoms or health issues or, um, diagnoses, we can then go, okay, we probably need to go further. And at that point, if we go further, I get into blood tests where they actually challenge your blood against different foods and chemicals and measure the amount of uh, like your immune system, your white blood cell reaction, how much of those inflammatory agents it actually releases. So we can see what is your body going, oh, that's okay, versus, oh, invader, got to do something. Let's release the troops, um, which then again, manifests in different ways in different people, but all usually very negatively. And so we start from there, manage the symptoms through a, a controlled elimination diet while targeting 
whatever it is that caused that to happen in the first place, whatever it was that damaged the GI, whether that was stress, medications, imbalanced microbiome, uh, lack of sleep, you know, something like that. And we kind of rebuild from there. What is it? So I've done the blood test several different times over the span of, I think it was like seven years apart that I did them and they were definitely different each time. What causes, I guess what, and there, and I think we should specify too, it's like normal healthy foods that the body's reacting to essentially. Yes. It's nothing like your normal irritants. So what is it that triggers the gut? Right, Two part question. What triggers the gut to respond to these foods that are otherwise seen as healthy? And then secondarily, what is it that then causes the gut to change to be okay with those foods and maybe not something else later down the road? So a lot of that is, as far as the hows and the whats, seem to we don't seem to know exactly why each person has the specific food options or uh, reactions that they do. But kind of what's happening, um, so first of all, there's different types of food sensitivity blood tests. So there's different, we'll call them pathways, that your immune system responds. So that's where you'll see like an IgG food sensitivity test or IgA or IgM or a histamine channel response. Um, so sometimes some of those only look at one pathway. And so in those cases, you can get different answers because, well, this one looked at pathway A, but this one looked at pathway B. So the one I use doesn't look at a specific pathway. It looks at the end mediators. So it's kind of the idea, like, I don't care if you came by plane, train, or bus, where did you wind up? you know, whatever the cause was, where did it start releasing the immune system? So it covers all of that. So sometimes the different tests can give you different results just because they're measuring only a subset of the different pathways. Um, and then other times the, what happens, your GI system should be like this nice tight mesh. It should filter out like a coffee filter, all these things, these quote, big things that shouldn't fit. Um, but when that gets damaged from stress, certain medications, overtraining, lack of sleep, um, just kind of our general environment and societal pressures, then it starts to tear. And so big things that shouldn't get through this filter now can, but your immune system doesn't know what those are because it's not normally there. So that's where those food sensitivities develop like certain things that are getting in, whether it's a food, a pathogen, um, bacteria, once they get in, that immune system overreacts. And it just happens to be more sensitive to certain foods and certain people than others. And yeah, like you said, I've had um, people who tested sensitive to things like ginger or salmon or kale, things we think of as healthy. But one of my very first clients, um, I, I never forgot it because she kept saying like, I'm trying to eat healthier. I'm trying to eat healthier, but it never works. And I always feel worse. And I don't tell me it's just detox. Like it's awful. <laughs> and it turned out she was doing like a veggie omelet for breakfast, a kale salad for lunch and chicken for dinner. And some like some of her top reactive foods were eggs, chicken and kale. <laughs> and now it doesn't always work that way where, oh, it just happens that it's what you're eating. But in her situation, it was. So once we cleaned that all up and figured it out and tapped into some of her stress and her posture issues as well. We, we got her migraines taken care of. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's different for everybody. I think it's really important to mention that it does show up different for everybody as well. Um, you, you know, you kind of, kind of mentioned the, 
earlier, but it's just the symptoms definitely are different from person to person. So you may not even think about it being a, a food issue. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if you do file uploads with your podcast, but I, I use something that's called a symptom score. Um, and it lists all the different categories where food sensitivities causing inflammation can manifest. So that can be digestive, like constipation, diarrhea, bloating, gas. That can be skin related, like rashes and eczema or excess acne or dark under eye circles. That can be sinuses, postnatal, you know, uh, postnasal drip gagging, coughing, clearing the throat a lot. So like mood, energy, all these different things. Um, so I, I use it with clients as our best way to quantify how they're feeling instead of just being like, you know, do you feel better? Yeah, I think so. Like it, it helps us look at, well, how often is it happening? How severe is it? What is it? Um, so I like to use that with people who think, oh, you know, my digestion's fine. I don't have food sensitivities. Like, well, what are these other things you've been telling me about? Like they, they could be from that. It all manifests because again, it's, it's, it's something getting through your digestive system, that immune system barrier into your blood. So it circulates everywhere. It just depends where those cytokines and interleukins and other inflammatory agents sort of wind up in your body. You mentioned that the intolerant food intolerances, digestive issues can cause pain. Mm-hmm. How else can it impact me that we're, you know, majority of my audience are athletes. How else does it impact performance just besides showing up as pain issues? Uh, so a lot, usually when I do um, even just the starting challenges with people and we get started, some of the things that they notice right away is mood is better and sleep is better. So these are two just very core things that, you know, all athletes, I hope, kind of know, like sleep is important, recovery is important, and that mindset is important. So even just from that starting point, you're getting better sleep, you're recovering better. Um, and then it allows, if, if joint stiffness and joint pain is a problem, it allows for better range of motion, better mobility, better movement, which uh, I saw, I know you've posted on that idea, like fix form first, <laughs> like do it right first. And then you'll, your progress and your performance will be enhanced. And so same idea, like this is going to allow that better movement, allow that better flexibility. Um, I've had several athletes that I've worked with, uh, one who did like Peloton, she was a title boxing instructor. And she mentioned that she was getting she was able to push harder in her training. She's like, I'm burning more calories. I'm working harder and I feel great and I'm recovering better. I don't hurt as much the next day because it's again, all kind of a little bit of inflammation is good. We, we tear our muscles when we work out, there is some recovery that has to happen, but too much is not good. So it's finding that, that balance. So she pushed herself hard. She was able to train harder, but then still recover better. Awesome. Excuse me. I'm curious because I know medications can affect gut health, especially when we're talking about antibiotics. Um, yes, there's a time and place for them, but I think mm-hmm. I feel like they're very overused at times too. Um, but besides that point, <laughs> what um, if someone's taking antibiotics or maybe they've, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast recently and he was talking about how when he was a kid, he was on antibiotics constantly for different things Mm -hmm. that ruined his gut health. And it took him like years into adulthood to fix. 
So what do antibiotics do to the microbiome and our gut health? So we want a nice balance of bacteria in our body. The, a lot of times it gets described as like this beautiful garden. We want variety. We want it to flourish, but we want it in the right place. So a couple things that can happen with that is one is that we'll have too much of the bad bacteria. So things that feed off of sugar and junk food and processed foods, and they start to proliferate and colonize and take over and kill off the good bacteria. Um, and this is why if you suddenly start eating a lot better and feeding the good bacteria, uh, it's kind of like civil war. They're battling for land in your colon and mm -hmm, there's gunfire. So <laughs> we get people with gas and bloat when they're shifting because suddenly you're putting in the fuel you need for the good bacteria. So, so we need good bacteria um, to outweigh the bad bacteria. We need a lot of good variety. So that's one thing that we look at. Another is, again, we want it in the right place. So if bacteria happens to start um, forming in the stomach or a different other pathogen, so H. pylori is very common. We don't want this in the stomach. Um, that's a bad thing. Or if it's in the small intestine, which we call small intestinal bacteria overgrowth or SIBO, that's horrible because even if it's good bacteria, we don't want it there. It, it either like backs up or something. So that creates a lot of bloating and gas and weight struggles and brain fog and just discomfort in general. Um, so these situations when antibiotics are put in, sometimes they're trying to kill off the bad bacteria to allow that whatever the problem is to get out of the system, but then it kills off the good bacteria. And if there's not a follow-up with good new colonization, good refeeding of the good bacteria, then it's kind of like land is up for grab. Who's going to get to there first, the good or the bad? It depends what you do, what you feed, if you're going to take probiotics, if you're going to eat good foods, or if you're just going to kind of go back to a standard American style of eating and living, um, in which case bad bacteria can take over again. So yeah, antibiotics have their place, but they just destroy everything and you've got to make sure you <laughs> refeed correctly and replant and regrow. So how do, if someone is on antibiotics, how do we then put those good bacteria back in the system once we're done with that, um, that regimen? Uh, so part of it is, um, there are supplements for probiotics. There are ways to get it through food as well, which are your, your fermented foods. Um, that gets a little tricky because you have to make sure it's actually live colonies. <laughs> um, when things cross over state lines, a lot of times they'll be heat pasteurized, they'll be killed, or you get like, oh yeah, I'm getting yogurt with all the sugar added. So <laughs> that kind of like little hindrance. But there are good things like a good raw, uh, not raw, but like grass-fed kefir, good quality yogurts or kombuchas that are going to have some sugar, but not like a sugar-loaded juice or a quality sauerkraut. So things with natural good fermentation can do it. Um, or you can get a probiotic supplement, though there's what I think is really cool in the last few years, they've been doing research on what's called a sporebiotic. So I've used this with a lot of clients. Um, the idea being a probiotic is good while you take it, but the strains are kind of inert, meaning they can't colonize. So once you stop taking the supplement, they just sort of peter out and, and disappear. Um, 
And while I definitely use supplements uh, to help my, my clients and help them heal and excel, I still like to do as much as I can naturally with food and lifestyle and, and all of this. So spore biotics have been researched for the last few years where it's a much more active supplement. And if you take like the go through the bottles protocol of tapering up and following it, these good bacteria can colonize on their own. So once you've done that bottle, you can stop and your body, as long as you keep feeding it appropriately and managing stress and managing all those things, it will take care of itself. Um, and you shouldn't have to go back on it or do like a reboot once a, once a year, twice a year, a spring cleaning kind of thing. <laughs> But yeah, so that's very cool uh, research that's coming out now. And that uh, seems to have really good results with everything that the microbiome touches, you know, mood, digestion, energy, health, all sorts of things. So yeah, it's very cool. I love this field. That's super interesting. I hadn't, I, I had known about the probiotic stuff, but I hadn't heard of the, the new sporebiotics. Yeah. And I, I laugh because the one, the, the, company and the brand that has the most like third-party testing it's called megaspore i'm like oh god it sounds like a villain name <laughs> like the megaspore biotic but it really has some great research and great benefits to it <laughs> oh that's awesome that's there <laughs> let's take a quick break to talk about true nutrition true nutrition is a supplement company and yes they do have the prepackaged bulk type performance supplements that a lot of companies have. But what I absolutely love about them are their customized options. You can get protein powder with a wide variety of types of protein in it and choose what flavoring you want on it. And along with that, throw in some different boosts to maybe help decrease your inflammation or improve your endurance, improve your recovery, really make it for what you and your body needs. And not only performance, they also have healthy food options as well. You can customize smoothies and oatmeal to really be what you want. So it's a very quick and easy breakfast option or even on the go option. So check out everything that they have at truenutrition.com. And if you use code GYF, you can save 5% on your order. And you can also check out all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now back to our conversation. One other issue I want to talk about is because it tends to get a lot of traction at times. And it's also something that depending on who you talk to depends on their beliefs on it. Um, and that is leaky gut. Mm, okay. And, um, <laughs> I'm just curious on your thoughts on it. It, what it is, if it's legit, if it's a real thing, I should say, and uh, kind of how that impacts us. Yes, absolutely. And that's essentially that um, coffee filter mesh I was talking about. So we, we refer to it uh, colloquially as leaky gut, because that seems to be something people understand, but it's in the research and there's a ton of it. Um, they call it intestinal permeability. Um, so that's, that's the more scientific term, but yeah, so leaky gut is that idea that that nice tight mesh is damaged and tearing. And so things that shouldn't get through are able to leak through the GI past that immune defense and into the body, uh, into the blood and into the cells. So it's, um, definitely, I don't fully understand why it's so controversial since there is so much 
peer-reviewed third-party research on it on PubMed through the NIH, um, but I have definitely met my share of even GI doctors who are like, nope, wait, would you like me to send you the research? I can, I promise I can. <laughs> um, I, and uh, so it's, I think it's growing and I think it's just, it's still kind of on the, the front edge of research. So people who are a little more uh, habitualized in their training, maybe just have not fully delved, dove into it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely there. And that's, again, that immune system start. So fix that problem, you know, tackle the gut, reheal it, calm it down, aloe, curcumin, <laughs> probiotics, all that good stuff. So if, if someone's experiencing symptoms, think, and after listening to this, thinks that their gut health might be involved, what are some things that they can start doing, you know, on their own in order to um, kind of clean things up? So some of the starting points, um, and if anyone wanted to reach out, I do have like a, a food list that I, I share with people. And it's, I just consider it like a very basic anti-inflammatory clean food list. So again, it's your whole fruits and vegetables, lean meats uh, and proteins, or I do have like a vegetarian option, vegan option for people who, who did not want to do animal product. Um, we take out dairy, we take out soy, we take out gluten, sugar, alcohol and everything. And I encourage people to do like a 30 day challenge on that. Um, that's not to say you should never be able to eat those foods. I am a full believer in balance and living life and enjoying it, uh, in a, in a good way, but taking it out can help challenge where that inflammation might be coming from. Um, and then beyond that, there's so many things that could be going on and I'm trying to make, um, I am planning to put together a video that I've, I've done live in one of my Facebook challenges, but every day we talked about like a different thing within the GI system that could be going wrong and how to tell if that might be your area. Like, is it the oral health? Are you lacking the, the salivary amylase? Are you not chewing well? Is it the stomach? Is there too much or too little stomach acid and what that might mean? Is it the small intestine and what, how do you tell and what might that mean? Um, we have like baking soda tests. You can see if your stomach acid's too high or too low. And, and so looking at, oh, my topic of popularity, talking about bowel movements and, you know, based on what it looks like and how frequent it is, maybe it's this and that going on. So there's various ways to sort of try to screen and see if that might be the problem. But a lot of times, um, at some point you have to say like, okay, if this isn't working, I need to stop guessing and start testing. And so we get into food sensitivity tests. I do stool tests, um, which people absolutely hate, but <laughs> nobody wants to collect, but it gives us so many puzzle pieces. It tells us so much about what could be going on, what's going wrong, what we could enhance and optimize um, so that we get you from feeling like normal to just feeling amazing, to thriving and to excelling at your goals and your energy and your mood and your fitness um, and just taking it up that next level. And then for the person who maybe they've gone through that process or they feel like they are actually pretty good where they're at, don't have a whole lot of symptoms, what are just some things we can do just on a day-to-day -day maintenance basis for maintaining gut health? So one of my favorite uh, nutrients that a lot of people don't get into too much, and especially since we're talking pain and joint issues as well, is going to be collagen. Um, because it's important not only for joints and 
uh, cartilage health and hair, skin, and nails, but also the GI system. So it's kind of this double duty for, for pain issues for athletes. Um, it's a protein source. So that's also another perk, not a complete protein, doesn't have all your amino acids like whey protein will, but it's got a lot of good ones. And you can do anything from purchasing uh, like a powder supplement. Um, I know one kind of go-to I use is the vital peptides, which you can get anywhere from Whole Foods to Costco. <laughs> you get, I get the unflavored one, throw it in a coffee. I've had a couple of people who like the flavored ones a little bit more. Um, or you can make or purchase your own bone broth because uh, collagen comes again from bones and joints. It's a part of that. So when these bones and joints are simmered for like 24 hours, it helps pull all these very nourishing nutrients out, uh, your, your vitamins, your protein, and a lot of collagen so that you can make soups with it. You can just drink like a cup of broth with, for that um, and do different things. So some of the brands I like, Trader Joe's has just a nice, good general chicken or beef collagen. Um, and Kettle and Fire is another high quality brand. So quality matters on those one. Those you, you do want to be careful that they're making them very well <laughs> and safely. Absolutely. I, I like that you say collagen because that's one I've always recommended my athletes as well, more for the joint health, not necessarily yeah. for the gut health. Um, well, look at that. You were helping them anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and it's something I've used for, for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really helpful. Really good one. How often do you recommend turmeric or curcumin? Um, as long as needed. <laughs> um, when I was getting into some really intense two-a-days and, and getting a little bit stiffer in my knees and on my back, I would do what I called sandwiching around it. So I knew um, that uh, my workout was going to be the time of inflammation. You know, that's the time of putting that physical stress on the body. So I would use the supplement that I used. Um, I believe it was a designs for health brand and take like two before my workout and two after and just kind of <laughs> sandwiched it around. Um, but I kind of ultimately, um, and I, I believe you did a podcast or you did a video on this too, the idea of like, um, yes, you can help certain pains, but you also want to tackle like, why is it hurting? So if your knees are always hurting after a hard workout, like, okay, why? <laughs> we still don't want to have to need this all the time, um, but it can help while you're learning and, and going through your rehab or your prehab and training um, and, and just help enhance that anti-inflammatory property. But yeah, tons of health benefits to turmeric um, across the board. Yeah. It's one I, same thing I use, I actually cook with it a lot. I just pretty much any vegetable I'm making, I just put some oh, of there you go. pepper on it and <laughs> exactly and turn everything that, yellow, but it's pepper. fine. <laughs> but it's delicious. It is. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to be making a, a curry for dinner tonight. I was going to, I love the, to use like coconut milk base and uh, oh yeah, throw in my turmeric, cinnamon, some other spices. Oh yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I love coconut milk too. <laughs> so <laughs> favorite. Very cool. Um, you mentioned a little bit as far as like when we are eliminating these things from the system as we're starting to clean things up that we will go through a little bit of a detox. Um, besides just your normal digestive system things um, when it comes to a detox, any other systemic things that can happen as your body's detoxing from, especially like these sugars? Yeah. So <laughs> this is... <laughs> 
Uh, when I work with people, and this is one reason I like to work with athletes, um, as well as people who've been sick for a long time is because both have this similar mindset of I am in, I am in this, I am not dabbling, I'm doing this, I'm committed and I'm disciplined. Um, because what happens, um, if you think of kind of your, if you think of a very busy conference room and a lot of people talking or like a ballroom or an event, something, a lot of noise and you drop a spoon, you don't hear it. So that's kind of what could be going on in your body. All this inflammatory stuff, a, a trigger from a food, a sugar, um, or a specific one like chicken, kale, whatever it was. And now if you start quieting that down and that room is now silent and you drop that spoon, you're going to hear it. Um, so I do warn people, like if you are at the point where you have this inflammation and you have this GI strain, you need to commit at least to 30 days of this program and then make sure we rebuild because um, I have had people, they go like a week or two and they're like, I feel great. My mood is better. My energy is going up. I'm sleeping better. You know, whatever it is that they're, they're noticing. And then I had a cheat weekend and do you mean to tell me I can never drink wine again? I hate you for doing this. I had a glass of wine and I felt miserable and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, 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 that's not the goal. You cheated. You dropped a spoon in a quiet room, but the ultimate goal is let's fix the problem. So because nobody should ever have to restrict whole foods long-term, we are just rebuilding and healing. Uh, so I do warn people of that. Like if you cut everything out and then all of a sudden go and have like a can of Pepsi or something, you might notice that a little more than you ever have before, um, which for that food might not be a bad thing to help remind you like, yeah, let's, let's stay away from that. It's not really necessary. Um, but at the same time, if that's a, a mental enjoyment for you on a treat, we want to get you to the point where you can enjoy that in balance without suffering <laughs> afterwards. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's one of kind of the detoxy things people go through in addition to the, I call it the three to five day slump usually is when they feel moody, the cravings kick in, the headaches might kick in, but typically by day seven to 10, the energy is so high. They're just incredibly motivated by the progress they've made that quickly. Um, we just have to make sure we <laughs> heal the root problem that was going on in the first place that caused said food sensitivity <laughs> and GI issues before we start dumping toxins back in <laughs> or yeah. triggers or inflammatory agents. <laughs> Yes, definitely important. Yeah. <laughs> if someone wants to reach out to you because they need help or maybe they're interested in your seven-day challenge, how mm -hmm. can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, well, let's see. I'm on Facebook as Kate Klein RD. So that's Kate, C-L-I-N-E-R-D. Or um, my email address is Kate at playfullyfierce.com. And those are probably the two things I'm quickest to respond to. <laughs> um, I do have a website, but it's kind of fallen by the wayside uh, since COVID. And I've sort of been rebranding a little bit, but it's, it's DublinDietitian.com. Um, but there are links on there to uh, reach out and kind of schedule phone calls. I'm always happy to talk to people, answer questions. I know it's, again, kind of a controversial topic and kind of a, a new, newly researched and, and newly emerging in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I've been a food sensitivity specialist certified for over 10 years, so it's not new, new, but in the grand scheme of nutrition science, people think of it as pretty new still. And we're developing and learning a lot all the time. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, before we final do the final closeout, um, if someone is, or I guess what's one thing some, like any person regardless of who's listening to this can do um, daily in order to just really start improving their gut health? Ooh, <laughs> I know. And that depends what they're doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they could reach out to me or you and get input. Um, <laughs> right. um, you know, one of the first things I actually talk to them about is uh, getting good sleep. I know that's, that's not what a dietitian would normally say, but sleep and stress management are actually two foundational things. Um, we devalue sleep. We devalue self-care. We tell people they are lazy or selfish if they actually try to get eight hours of sleep and take time for themselves. Um, but that's absolutely critical. So I would say, can I, can I have two? I'm giving those you can two. Have two. <laughs> sleep and stress management. And if I get a bonus three water drink. <laughs> I like all of those answers. I agree with them completely. <laughs> well, awesome. Kate, thank you so much for your time today. Um, Absolutely. If you can get me the symptom score sheet, we can definitely get that on the show notes as well. Yeah, um, that'd be great. And then, yeah, if anyone has any questions, definitely reach out to Kate because she's awesome and knows what she's doing. <laughs> It is my passion topic. So yeah, I love it. I love seeing people excel and hit their goals. It's like, I do victory dances all the time with my clients, like mentally. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, Kate, thank you so much again for your time. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And I look forward to seeing you guys all on Facebook and around and around <laughs> and around. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before I close out, I have two questions for you. Do you feel like you're in a plateau with your progress? Or do you feel like you're stuck in an injury cycle? Both of these issues are very common and both of them can be fixed very easily. Most often, both of these issues come down to how you're training or more importantly, what's missing in your training. By figuring out what's missing and adding that in, your training performance will improve, your racing performance will improve, and your injury cycle will break. I invite you to get on a free 30-minute consultation call with me to discuss what's going on with you, your life, your training, so we can really figure out what needs to be done to improve that. So head over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash doc to book a free call with me. Thank you again for listening today. I greatly appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>